All right, what's up? It's your boys, Abraham, Jordan, and Samir. As you guys all know, he's a professional runner, so he's your fast friend. I'm in uh, school, in an MD-PhD program, so I'm your smart friend. And as always, Samir does, still doesn't have any hair, so he's still your bald friend. But most importantly, we are all friends who read One Piece. We are your friends who read One Piece. And... This morning, I read chapter 11, 1102, and I was moved in a way that I haven't moved, I gotta say it. Like, actually, actually moved uh, in a long time. But uh, why don't you tell me what you thought about the chapter, Jordan? It was a good chapter. It was great to... I'm very I'm excited to be back in the real world, finally coming back to the present. It was really cool seeing Kuma's legacy, leaving behind Bonnie and Luffy, really following them both around and seeing that those are the two people that he's raising to be successful in the new world. There was some interesting parallelism between them as if they might be sort of both Kuma's children spiritually, as if they're kind of related in a certain way yeah. as possible. <laughs> I was really interested <laughs> in Kuma and whether he's fully erases individuality. I think it feels like if they're introducing, the fact that they introduced Vegapunk having a 50-50, you can turn it on, turn it off a little bit switch that he was trying to outfit Kuma with before Saturn turned it down, feels like it would be a bit of a Chekhov's gun if Kuma doesn't ever have the ability to get his personality back again. And it's just, I'm really interested to see what's going to happen. It set us up in a real position where now we're back in the present. Obviously, his memories have been seen by Bonnie and are going to disappear. And this seems like an interesting place to have introduced Kuma and introduced his whole backstory if he's not about to show up in the story with the per with all the people that he has history with all in one place. I still don't understand exactly why he was climbing the red line, but I'm really intrigued as to what's going to happen with him and everyone else in the story going forward for the rest of this arc. What about you? Yeah. I so I mean Samir posted this like in the group chat where he he was talking about like extremely sad moments like you know thank you for loving me when Ace when Ace says thank you for loving I feel like to me th that last panel of this chapter I like I, I Ace Ace saying thank you for loving me might be the only scene in the series that has moved me to that much where he was just like tell bonnie that like have a happy like 10th birthday and it's like so simple right it's not like uh i feel as emotional as ace saying something like thank you for loving me right like i don't expect anything other than just like the love that you've given me right but like kuma we see the ordeals that he kind of had to deal with his whole life, right? That's what, you know, Vegapunk, Vegapunk gets to, like, get a glimpse and, like, that's Oda's way of, like, reminding us, just, like, look at all these people that have been in Kuma's life, that he's, how he's impacted their lives, how selfless this man is. And at the end of his life, all he really cares about is you know, his daughter and leaving her with the best possible life that she can, making sure that he did manage to fulfill that promise that she would be able to, you know, sail around the world by the time her 10th birthday came around and whatnot. And yeah, it, it really, really, if I, if I had, I was in, I was reading it in, in line, uh, cause I was out, um, 
in, out in public. But if if I feel like if I had been reading that chapter slowly in my room, I I might have I might have shed a couple of tears because that 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 chapter was um amazing. I you're, love you're this an emotional backstory. man, huh? You're a man. Yeah, bro. Like... Sometimes, sometimes I don't know if you do this. I'll just like put on old anime clips. Like, you know how many times I've watched Zuko asking Iroh for forgiveness over and over again? Just to like if I feel like I, I just I was like, I just feel like crying today. You know, not even like a sad cry, just like a happy kind of cry. I've literally watched I just like randomly watch shit like that to 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 make me feel things. <laughs> That's, and that, I feel like this crazy, chapter man. is going to be... That's not even the ones that I watched, first of all. I watched the epic scenes, you know, Reiner and, and Birdho turning into the Titans on top of the wall, you know. Yeah. Reiner, are we doing it now? Here! Yeah. Ah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Moments. That's what I, was I mean, I do that I do that too, right? But it's like a different kind of... Like, there are some moments where you need to get hyped up like that, and then sometimes where I'm just like, I I just need to be in my feelings right now. And this is, I, I just know this is going to be one of those scenes that I return to uh, for, for like forever. Like This is just going to be one of those moments. This background story was great. I loved it. I thoroughly enjoyed it. A lot of the reasons I enjoyed it personally were the fact that we're getting new kinds of lore drops. Like, for example, this is the first time we've actually seen anything with God Valley. We learned about the Fagarland family. We learned about Shanks's, you know, cousin or uncle or whatever that grandpa dad whatever the heck uh for garland garling is we learn we finally get to meet ivankov as young here about kumo that's the stuff i'm really excited about here as someone who really loves the lore of one piece but bro you you're wrong for trying to compare this in any way to thank you for loving me what <laughs> you, really? that, man. you think so bro the main character's brother was in his arms with a with a fist through his chest, yeah. <laughs> like the main character's brother was dead in front of him. It was his fault. I in said war when we had just seen the admirals, yeah. the the emperors, the yeah. warlords. We finally get a sense for how weak our characters are, and the and the main character's brother, who we've been following for all these years, because he's trying to chase down this guy Blackbeard who murdered Teach, or not who murdered Squire. What I forget. Batch, 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 Thank you, thank you, thank you. Yeah. Squire's the guy that stabbed Whitebeard. Yeah. And he gets a fist through his chest in the middle of the chapter. You turn the page. You see the Viver card disappearing, and you turn the page. Yeah. And it's the full double spread, Akainu. What? He's dead. And yeah. you're trying to tell me that this that this nice little moment, it was a very nice, sad, cute little moment. moment. About Kuma. Little oh, moment? Four or five chapters of a backstory is enough to outdo that moment or, or even be in the same league. I know you didn't yeah. think I did it. To even be in the same league as that moment in terms of emotional impact? Yeah. That's crazy, though. No, it is. So, I still think Ace's moment is number one, right? But it's for Ace. So, this backstory was a bunch of stuff building to a a bunch of tragic events that culminated in this, right? We kind of knew exactly where things were going. It wasn't shocking, right, what happened at the end. That's not the value that I got out of this moment. The 
thank you for loving me moment, a lot of like it, you know, as a standalone thinking about someone who, you know, has questioned their own existence to the point where um, they are just happy to be loved by people, right? Like that is sad in and of itself, but the real thing that made that moment impactful was how shocking it was, right? We, like you said, all of this stuff has happened and we're like, we've won. We're going to win because we win every single arc. You know, when we're in any lobby and it's we think there's no chance of victory, like we, the, the Luffy just manages to win. And this time he does it. And it was the most important, like if, if he could have one dub in the series, that's the one win that he would love to have. And in the most important time, he failed, right? And that shock going from like, we're about to escape, we've won, to, oh, Ace is dead, y'all are fucked. That was the, it was just jarring, right? So to me, the, the those are like different kinds of scenarios to me. I almost don't really group Ace's death in into the like the same kind of feet like it doesn't give me the same kind of feeling that I would think the Puma flashback gave because I I think they kind of had different purposes in the series. To me, the yeah. To me, it's it. I feel like the Kuma flashback is more similar to the Fisher Tiger flashback, where you kind of get oh, this whole thing. Go. Fishman Island. Oh, <laughs> I, we we we're gonna talk about this next week. The man who loves Fishman Island. That is gonna be. If we if we had done a top a top three top five backstories, that would have been in my top three. The I was a slave moment. That 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 is up there with thank you for loving me and have a happy 10th birthday. I, I love that shit. But uh I forgot all yeah. about Fishman Island because it's a terrible art, but you, you can keep yeah. talking. It's okay. This cause you hate black people. <laughs> Good old Uncle Ruckus. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. But what else? Uh I I liked that um in this chapter, other than uh the emotional emotional highs that it hit, seeing Dragon in that one panel, like you said, and just the callback to be like, oh yeah, uh by the like why he was in Logtown at all. Um I, yeah. I don't I know. Love it was, like, I don't talk about my family. Yeah. It was, it was, it was, was, whoever it was was saying, Sabo was saying, why are you going to to Rogue Town? And Dragon was just like, no reason. reason. (laughs) Yeah. I don't want to talk about it. Phenomenal, phenomenal chapter. Huh? He said, I'm going to see me and Jenny's kid off. (laughs) Oh, God. Bro, I... I really hope Oda actually reveals Luffy's mom at some point in the series. I hope we don't go the whole the whole series and never get it revealed. And you can hold on to this hope that Jesus. I I just I need that to be stamped out at some point because this is ridiculous. And if we get to the end of the series and we just never find Luffy's mom, you're gonna be like, well, you never know. It could have been. I bet they call people crazy for saying Luke and Leia were siblings. Okay. Uh, I bet they said Luke and Leia are gonna end up being being in love and falling in love, and that's a normal thing, not Han Solo. I bet people said that. 
But then Luke and Leia were siblings. It just seems like it could be the case. <laughs> I do. I do want to point out just as a. With my Star Wars knowledge, I believe George Lucas actually did not intend for them to be siblings at all oh, when cool. Episode Four originally came out. That was only added later on in Return of the Jedi. Just saying. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Samir. Probably because uh, people like Jordan were like, hey. Yeah, y'all were getting a little too friendly. Uh -huh, mm -hmm. Hey, hold on a second. But then what happened? Some people willed it into the universe. Just like I'm willing <laughs> this into the universe. It's totally... Completely reasonable and possible. Do you know why he they he actually ended up doing it? Was it just because of fan theories or what? My own personal knowledge doesn't go that far, and that's not like I don't know enough about Star Wars because it's not it's not like One Piece where I can just find a chapter and pull up the immediate reference. Right, you know what right, I mean? Right. But from my, my own knowledge, I think it was uh, he needed a way to tie up like the 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 Luke Leia Han love triangle in a clean way that wasn't something that would leave any kind of uh, you know, potential loose ends. Like he, he, introducing two people as siblings is a pretty good way to tie up a romantic <laughs> relationship. <laughs> That's kind of a hilarious way to end up doing it. It's like, well, if you guys are going to end up making out, uh, that's going to be incestuous and gross. So we need to make you guys siblings to make people happy. It's always interesting to think about the fact that they're, this is before the internet, really. So even in that moment in time, there are enough angry fans and crazy theories to be able to impact the producers to do something. You know, it's like uh, what they now have to do with Evangelion and things like that where the end gets butchered. The uh, last thing I actually wanted to talk, I forgot to bring up about this chapter that I wanted to uh, bring up was Saturn saying that he is a man of science. And I know we got in his introduction that he is the, you know, what is it, emperor or world star, whatever, Gorosei of, like, like science is his domain rather than military or whatever. I wonder if that is why Oda chose him to be the Gorosei that comes to Egghead. Because obviously Egghead is the island of you know, tech and science and future stuff and I wonder when he says he is a man of science, what he has kind of done to earn that title. Maybe that's related to like the energy source that's used to power stuff like the the giant on the like the mech giant on Egghead or something. I don't know. It it just makes me curious as to what he's done almost to like justify that title. That's it. I don't think we have any real idea. I think it's obvious that what you're saying is true. That's the reason he was sent, whether you're talking about Biota narratively, but also why would the world government send him for any other reason than that being a specialty? It'll be really interesting to see how the rest of the Elder Star's specialties end up affecting maybe what story they end up wrapped into, or if that those stories end up actually being important, if one of them's the Minister of Finance or whatever. Yeah. What, what, where is he going to end up with? Or the Minister of what? Information gonna end up we're gonna have an arc where we're fighting with Morgans or something in the I, there's one with agriculture. That I could actually see like some pestilence, like some plague, you know, you know, destroying well, we've a seen bunch a lot of... of plagues and we've talked about the potential that plagues are gonna be a part of the, the plot. Yeah. Whether it's the white lead poisoning or the yeah. sapphire scale disease, whatever was happening up in Sky Island. I think that'd be a really interesting thing to look into, not to mention if we talk about the admirals fighting the Elder Stars theory, then things like Green Bull fighting that guy would make a lot of sense. 
But I'm pretty. Do you do you really not think that Kuma's gonna get his memories back at any point? No, I don't. What what's the point of including this idea where Vegapunk literally says, "I'm gonna make something where you can turn on and off your personality a little bit." I I think it was maybe just to sh further emphasize how evil Saturn could could be. Like just more to build him up as an antagonist than anything else. But I feel like we've got so we like we know how evil these dudes are. First of all, they turn like this dude turns into a demon and people's heads explode. He he appears <laughs> with a pentagram. <laughs> and yeah. then people said, you think we need to have this little thing added just to know how evil he is? This little thing that happens to be something that would both explain why Kuma is doing something that's definitely not what the elders are programmed to do by climbing up the top of marriage law, mm -hmm. but also give the possibility for Kuma to potentially find his personality back. And you think that it's included in that just to make the elder star Saturn a little bit more evil? I think one of the things, like, so I'll, I'll, I'll talk about the latter point you made first, rather than the the first point, about getting his personality back, right? Vegapunk, or Kuma straight up says, this memory is like a copy. Once someone kind of touches it, consumes it, like, it's going to go away. So, unless, yeah. I just I don't I don't see how that ball of memory is going to be there for Kuma to get his memories back. You know what I mean? In that way. It also doesn't seem like that's how it works. It more seems like it's like a movie. You know what I mean? You touch it and you're like, oh, these are the this is Kuma's life. So I don't expect Kuma to be returning to Egghead Island to get his memories back. I actually one of the theories I submitted for S class and F class is gonna be trying to justify not why he tried to climb the red line, but why he returned to Egghead Island. Um, as for why he's trying to climb the red line, I still don't have an answer to that. I feel like we haven't had any justification for that in the story, and I haven't heard any good and any good explanations. I know last week you were talking about the Grand Line review theory, but like we talked about last week, right? He's already been to Mirajuas. He didn't really need to go back for that reason. So I'm still just memory, waiting. Though. Not with his memory. What do you mean not with his memory? Like when he was in Marajoie before, he didn't have his memory. He wasn't himself. Uh-huh. But he didn't he when he went back now, just like most recently, he also still didn't have his memory. Allegedly. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? <laughs> what do you mean allegedly? <laughs> so I'm just I'm just waiting. I'm waiting to see how um, Oda decides to justify that decision to go up to Mirajuaz. Because right now, I, I really have no idea and I haven't heard any good explanations. But I do think that is a nice transition to S-Class versus F-Class since one of the theories we're going to be talking about today is exactly related to that. So maybe this is... Maybe you'll like this explanation for how uh, Kuma... Why Kuma decided to go to Egghead. Samir, you want to you wanna kick us off? Yeah, so great transition, Abraham. Our first theory from Abraham is the fact that Kuma is able to move on his own despite not having, you know, full control over his faculties. Um, and the reference to the supporting evidence here is that uh, in Thriller Bark, chapter 469, 
when Sindri is talking to uh, Hogback, they're mentioning how Sindri is able to stop moving because her soul, which is apparently, you know, still intact, is preventing her from attacking Chopper and Robin further. Uh, if anyone remembers, that's when she starts. She stops. She starts to cry. Uh, Hogback's freaking out. Um, there, Chopper and Robin are wondering if the original owner of the body is resisting, and if the soulless body has its own will. So I think there's some parallels here between what Kuma could possibly be doing, despite the fact that he is all machine right now. And then the, the also, theory, just... just to make my understanding, the theory is yeah. basically that. The theory is basically that Kuma has a bit of his soul left, and that is what's responding against the whatever Saturn programmed him for, the Elder Stars are using him for. Yeah, to my yeah, understanding, a... it's uh, because in the case of uh, Moria and Hogback, Cindy, Sindri, I believe, has uh, you know, been altered with other body parts, like a zombie. And uh, in the case of Kuma, obviously, he's been altered with a uh, machine. Um, I think Abraham wanted to clarify something on the theory, and I believe yeah. Jordan also wanted to uh, share something. Yeah, yeah, I I do want you to respond, Jordan, but there was just a part of the theory that Samir uh, didn't touch that I think is important for you to be able to understand what the guy's talking about. Because the other parallel is that immediately after CP0 shows up to Egghead Island, they show up with Espair, and Lucci is talking about how they're going to kill uh, uh, Bonnie because she no longer has any purpose. So the person who wrote this theory was like, maybe Kuma and like his pacifistas all kind of like share almost like, I don't know if it's a neural network, but he could have essentially heard, oh, he should have, he could have essentially heard that. And, um, and because, like, immediately after Lucci says they're going to kill Bonnie is when Kuma starts to, like, fight out of... Uh, <laughs> uh, is is when he, like, decides to fight off of uh, the Revolutionary Army base and go flying to the, like, towards eventually Egghead Island. So the theory is um, Kuma, like, Kuma's... A part of Kuma's soul is still, like, fighting against the programming maybe that he received from the world government and going to Egghead to go protect Bonnie. And the only reason why he knows Bonnie's on Egghead is because like Espair is there and what. Bro, this this is just a lazy theory. Like I just gotta be my best theory. <laughs> this is just not <laughs> an interesting theory, is the thing. Wait, why? Um it's it's just it's basically just being like a complete the thing that normally happens anytime someone's body is taken over in any movie or in any in any time someone's memory is wiped and then they oh some part of my soul was left over and that's the reason that I'm I'm not even saying that that couldn't be true because that's basically the entire thing hypothesizing with saying what if Vegapunk we have this Chekhov's gun of Vegapunk looking at it saying oh, I can leave like 50% or have something where you turn it on and maybe he found a way to subvert Saturn. But at least if you say that, you're given a reason for exactly why he can do it that's a little bit more of a theory. It's not so much that I think that this theory is completely untrue. I just think it's barely even a theory. It's basically saying, I think that what's happening is the standard trope 
for every single time someone is in a mindless situation with their body and they end up going against whatever they're programmed to do or whatever their freaking zombie brain is telling them to do. And so that's why it's an F-class theory, because as a theory, even if it's true, this is lazy and uninteresting to me. F-class. <laughs> I don't know if this is going to surprise you, but I also have it as an F-class theory. <laughs> that is going to surprise me. I thought you were going to say F-class. <laughs> no, I mean, not even that I, I think there's uh, like no chance of this happening. Like Kind of like you said, sure, maybe it does happen. I, I'm not the biggest fan of the whole, you know, Esper and the pacifistas kind of share like that neural sort circuit kind of thing that seems a little bit much to me. Maybe it is the case and maybe that is true. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think for a lot of the reasons you gave, I was just like, it's fine. It, it's fine as a theory if it comes true. Uh, I don't really find it all that exciting either. Uh, what's next, Samir? And Next. oh, Samir, I just want to, I want to say, Sam <laughs> I'm sorry. I think there was like a part two to the theory that I forgot to send you. I'm sorry for slandering your it's name. It's okay. It happens. <laughs> I do, uh, I do just want to wrap up one thing about this theory that um, I do agree it's F class. No doubt about that. And I think it's, it's a shame because even series like Jujutsu Kaisen, which are very closely tied to the idea of souls and bodies you know that that's a central core theme that they have even they are not immune to that whole oh man the original body is suddenly reclaiming control um so yeah it would it would it would really suck if there's just another thing chalked up to shonen tropes here in one piece but moving on so jordan's got a theory uh from uh vinlandi uh on youtube and uh his theory is that one piece the actual one piece is the story about luffy's journey and the theory states that Roger left just because Roger got there early and therefore was there too soon to actually be able to experience the events of Luffy's journey. That's it. Okay. Uh, for me, I, I'm going to, I'm going to say F class for me. And the reason why is I don't like stories where fate is entirely predetermined. And I don't think One Piece is that kind of story, right? There are a number of... Obviously, we know, as the readers of the story, we know Luffy is going to be the Pirate King, right? That's just... It wouldn't It wouldn't be a satisfying story if Blackbeard ended up becoming the Pirate King. But I think the whole point about things like Inherited Will... Um, the fact that you have multiple contenders for the Pirate King, and I'm not talking about all the pirates in the world. I mean, like, Ace was, for all intents and purposes, should have been, like, the number one contender for the Pirate King, right? It's, there's a reason why Whitebeard decided to hitch his wagon to Ace. He's literally the son of the former Pirate King. He is a D. He's built up to be better than Luffy in almost every single way, from when they're kids to when they're adults, right? And... There's this whole idea I like to think of in One Piece where there's this almost like forks in the road or like diverging paths. In in a, a book series I like to read called The Wheel of Time, they talk about like, you know, the threads of fate and whatnot, right? I don't think that the story should is, is something like a, an Attack on Titan thing where generations ago, you know, 
Rogers knew that Luffy was going to be the Pirate King. He was destined to be the Pirate King. In fact, we know that he thought his son would grow up to be the Pirate King because he tells, uh, I don't remember if it's Roger or Ray like that or something like that, but he's just like, you know, my son will, you know, be the one to like do blah, blah, blah. So that is why I'm going to call it an F-class theory because I'm not a big fan of stories where it's just like, yeah, everything is predetermined. That's interesting because I think it's an F-class theory for a different reason. I don't really mind this idea that there's a bit of fate. I know people have been complaining about Luffy getting the Nika fruit. I think that's actually okay and not something I mind with the story because whenever we get a story, you're getting the main character and the person who's going to eventually get there. It doesn't change my mind if that person is in some ways predetermined to get there. But obviously for me, it's an F-class theory. Uh, the way we can describe it is only in a certain number of words because we don't have a full video. But the person who made this video had 30 minutes. And this is representative of an entire category of theory that I hate. It's the, oh, Luffy, Daksake. Luffy is himself, is actually the One Piece. And we're going to get to, we're going to get to Laugh Tale. And it's just going to be a statue of Luffy. Oh, it's actually, a, the One Piece is actually a manga about Luffy's life, and it's the story of him. All of these things are ridiculous and will be completely <laughs> unsatisfying. I had a friend send me a Reddit theory that was about 8,000 words. I don't remember actually how many words it was, but it was way too many. So, and it was another part. I read the whole thing. My friend said, oh, it feels like spoilers. I get to the very end. And it's basically like the, it's one of the one piece is a party theory. It's a giant party. Just like freaking Arthur, whoever had the other theory that was like that. And I hate all of these theories, man. I need <laughs> you to have something more courageous and more interesting that would have implications for the world. None of these things are threatening the world government. None of these things are threatening to the celestial dragons and the, the elder stars. I need something different, man. I need some uh, S-class. Put it on the board. <laughs> All right. Samir, what do you think? You know, no shocker. I think it's an F-class theory. Same oh. reasons as both of you, actually. I think fate inst installing, instilling, excuse me, a sense of fate in the series is, is just not, it's, no, it's not One Piece's thing, right? I feel like that era of Bleach, One Piece, Naruto, where they were the big three, one of the biggest themes about all of them was the fact that fate is not something that inscribes a character to fulfill a certain destiny it's something that is meant to be broken right fate should not shackle anybody i think the irony is that in naruto there's a whole arc about that in the naruto versus neji fight and guess what naruto ends up fulfilling a prophecy anyway <laughs> in ship at the end of shippuden so where was all that right you know i i think that's something that um unfortunately when you look at the re when you zoom out and you take the whole series of one piece at a really general sense of course we know what's going to happen as far as everyone's dreams go right but on a micro sense it's not it's not fun it's not entertaining to entertain the idea that fate mm -hmm. is something that all the characters should be following um so yeah f class for sure okay now moving on we have another theory from abraham and this one this one's pretty interesting i think this one is something that uh Unlike the other two that we have so far is providing there's more meat to it. And the theory is that Enna's lobby was once the site of the ancient kingdom. 
the mother flame and the unlimited energy that that Vega Punk and then the world government have been talking about. Um, the theory is that it's simply just solar energy, which of course, you know, is harnessing the power of the sun. Um, we also know that it's never night in Annie's lobby. It's always daytime and it's always sunny. It's perfect for a kingdom that can harness that power. Um, once the world government won the war, uh, there's a theory. Part of the theory is that they used Uranus or the Mother Flame to destroy the island itself. Uh, therefore, now that giant hole, uh, we we've seen something that causes this hole, right? We've seen it happen at Lelouchia, um, and then world government goes in, fills up the hole, and big, builds their first government stronghold, uh, which becomes Ennis Lobby. Now, this theory comes to us from Reddit. Uh, what do you think? That's crazy because. Someone's been saying there's something crazy at the bottom of Annie's lobby this whole time. Someone's been saying that this whole time. And it's me. Obviously, this is an S-class spirit. I, I thank you for bringing me this beautiful, beautiful, beautiful theory today. You're welcome. Because the idea that the ancient kingdom could be at the bottom of Annie's lobby, it's a place that we have no explanation for in the world. And that there could be a power source down there at the bottom of it. And we understand people's dreams are one of the power sources of the world, according to Vegapunk, is something that could be converted into real energy. And there's this giant hole in the ground. We have no idea what's in there. There's what seems like a tree falling down with a giant hole. It could be a, one of that old Adam, Eve trees, things like that. All of this seems completely plausible as an explanation for what's down there and for what might have been destroyed by the mother flame and why the world government has decided to set up their headquarters in order to protect it because they don't want anyone else getting close to that energy. S-class theory, I love it. I want to hear more about what's at the bottom of Annie's lobby. You know, you know what the best part about this theory is? The best part is that it doesn't depend on... If you take the title of chapter 673 and flip it to 367, you see that these characters in the chapter title. This is the biggest problem I had with the whole Ennis Lobby theory that O'Hara put out is that I, I don't care. Nice I don't Additions to the theory. No. No. They were supplements. They were not the core theory. No, that, 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 first of all, I never, if I, if I was really a hater and was, had a closed mind, I never would have brought this theory up. I would have never picked it as one of the <laughs> theories that I chose for S class and F class. So it was, it was a, 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 a very interesting theory. I've always been of the mindset that it's always sunny in uh, any slobby. Philadelphia, sorry. Oh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> because... Uh, someone awoken, uh, awakened, awakened, uh, Kizaru's devil fruit on the island. And just like Punk Hazard's weather changed from Akainu and Aokichi doing their thing, the light, light fruit is what created that. Obviously, there could be other explanations. And I do think that it would be the... Always like the fact that it is always sunny and the sun is the symbol of the ancient kingdom. I think that's a, an interesting time. I would, I, I would call this an S class theory because I do think it's an interesting explanation. I still don't really expect that to be 
the location of the I don't I don't I first of all Laugh Tale and the location of the ancient kingdom are not necessarily one and the same thing. I don't know if they will be the same thing or not. Um that's but, true, but you know, even if it's the ancient kingdom down there, I'm gonna dog uh-huh. you out. <laughs> you know, even what? if I'm not exactly wait, wait, wait. right and the ancient kingdom is down wait, there, wait, why? I'm gonna come in here dogging you out as if so, I was right because that's good you, enough. You mean that's if, good enough. If, if we find out that Laugh Tale is on the moon and that the ancient kingdom is under any lobby, you're gonna act like you were right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, really? even though Laugh Tale was down there, even if Laugh Tale was on the that's an irrelevant conversation because Laugh Tale is not on the moon. Anyone who believes that is ridiculous. But it's, it's worth noting that also part of the theory that I had that was on my own, that was an addendum to the, the O'Hara theory, is in part that the reason any lobby's land is shaped so funnily is that it's one of the god trees, one of the Adam, the Eve, whatever, I don't know if they're called god trees, that, that's fallen halfway over. And as we've learned about devil fruits being about people's will and about there being unlimited sources of energy that the government want to protect, that being one of the things that could be at the bottom of any lobby. Fruits, yeah. energy, people's dreams that have fallen off of that have fallen off of the, you know, God of the of the kind of atom tree that you have there. And so for me, having any kind of source of energy down there feels like a win. But I love the idea of they use the mother flame or whatever right in the middle of the tree to cut it off. Yeah. Right, right, right. Where, right, we were trying to get the island, and I ended up cutting up half the tree. Some of it lost its stability, and ended up falling down and landing like that. And that's why we have Penny's lobby in the shape that it is. A lot of what you're saying fits in with a lot of what I'm, no. what I believe. Whether or not it's actually true, I think it's a beautiful theory. I thank you. It might not be the one piece, but thank bro, you, bro. First of all, the Yggdrasil, like like Samir is saying, that I think the tree you might be thinking of is the Yggdrasil. Because we we've seen the Adam the Adam tree and and the Eve well, I think we've seen the Eve tree on uh in Fishman Island and the Adam tree uh I I can't remember what island that was on. Um, they they used it to make uh the sunny and stuff. Yeah, but yeah, mm-hmm. there was like some war torn country. Um, yeah, that tree I think you're talking about, like Samir said, I think is going to be an Elbath because the holy the only holy tree, you know. When you think of all these different mythologies that exist as Yggdrasil, like, you know, Yggdrasil is a part of North mythology and North mythology and Elbaf is an island of like that, that is heavily foreshadowed to be related to Norse mythology. So I, I don't think that this whole stuff about the, the, the world tree is going to be in any lobby. I also don't really think this theory is even talking about what's under any lobby because I feel like what's under any lobby is just water. It's more like the idea that the island in and of itself, like the island of any lobby, used to be maybe the ancient kingdom's headquarters, and it kind of got ransacked and taken, and they they used it as their judicial base of any lobby. Again. Could it be well, the case? That... I, I, I'm calling it. I'll call it an S class theory because I think it's, uh, it's got potential and it's interesting, and I'm not, I'm not, I'm not close minded, you know. Just because I, 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 I can, I can love multiple theories. I can love provolone cheese and I can love gouda. You know, I don't have to be just because I like provolone more doesn't mean that I hate gouda. So, uh, well, I yeah. want you to know the, 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 um. 
the wordplay for chapter 1200 be like, Hifure, which means at the bottom. No, I'm playing. The wordplay does actually say Hifure, and it doesn't mean at the bottom. I don't know what yeah yeah you know i think um you know i think it's funny it's it's rare that all of us are in alignment because i also think this is an s-class theory um i i don't no i don't believe none of that about the you know world tree yggdrasil has anything to do with Ennis lobby i think that if anything it's the ancient kingdom right i mean we know nika is a fable from a long long ago um maybe it was kizaru's fruit maybe not kizaru himself that got awakened but i i could see something with nika happening in the past to force eternal sunshine to be there um i'd also think it's totally feasible that it just happens to always be sunny because fuck it it's the grand line who knows man like aren't there islands that there's always storming it's always winter like yeah. it's always winter right, on island. island yeah like why not yeah. right um uh, but yeah either way i think it's an s-class theory i think um there's a lot of implications of why Enes Lobby was the place they built, you know, the world government headquarters. It, it, it's definitely not by choice or by chance. Sorry, it's definitely by choice. Uh, yeah, I think Emu knows something that we all don't, obviously. So, yeah, that's it for S-Class versus F-Class. Uh, a rare alignment on all three theories today. I'm shocked. Obviously, I made the best points. Uh, we'll get back to that. Uh, you know, so A A plus for Jordan and uh, Abraham gets a B today because a B. Yeah, you get a B because you at least chose correctly on S class versus S class, but you still are making all these jokes about laptop being on the moon, which is ridiculous. Uh, you know, I was down. I was actually, I was down at the bus stop the other day, and uh -huh. there was people doing crack at the bus stop. <laughs> I swear to God, that, that, <laughs> and I, I went to check. I said, "Hold on, you know my boy Abraham." They said, no, I don't know. And I was like, oh, that's thankful. Because I was getting worried for a second. I thought you might I run in different there. circles. Don't worry. Don't worry. <laughs> I thought you might have been down there at the bus stop doing crack, talking about laugh tales in the moon still. But as we get into the, you know, culture, talking about life and everything, I got a little story, and I want to know what you guys think about it. So, you know, I learn Japanese. I speak every Friday with my sensei, Ayaka, at a tea shop over on the east side of Providence near Brown's campus. And she was telling me, she came to me and a couple of friends who were just happened to be joining us that week saying, I'm worried about my son. I feel like he has some behavioral issues. And so we said, oh, my God, like I've met Tosco. He's the nicest kid. I've never imagined him having behavioral issues. in the I've never seen anything about him being quiet, calm, very nice. She said... In Japanese, he always accepts people's apologies and is always very nice. But I feel like in English, he's a little bit less polite. And the story she told is a kid was playing with Tasku, that's his name's lunchbox, which is against the rules. And Tasku told him to cut it out, made, started making him cry. It was his best friend, Jason. And so the first grade, the, the teacher told him, Tasku, you're Jason, you have to apologize, and Jason apologized. And Tasku said, sorry doesn't always work. <laughs> and Ayaka has come distraught, saying, does my kid have behavioral issues? So I think the first thing is, what do you all think of that? And the second thing is, you know, we're all from somewhat different cultures. Abraham's from a, you know, Eritrean, Canadian household. Samir's from an English Indian American household. Obviously I am just kind of like black American Jewish, like very American. Do you think like, is there's a cultural difference here? That's kind of what I think, but how would you all respond to this kind of thing? What do you think? Oh, going well, on? 
How old is this kid? Is he six? He's, you said he, he's in first grade? I think he's six or seven, yeah. I'm shocked that he has the insight to be like, sorry doesn't always work. <laughs> <laughs> what? That's such an adult thing to say. That's crazy. Because <laughs> he's right. Sorry doesn't always work. <laughs> it's pretty badass. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> I'll say, I think she said later, I think the teacher might have said that at some point, probably in relation to like, if you do something really, really bad, then like, you can't just say sorry, you have to actually fix it. You know, you can't just say sorry, and then expect people to 100% forgive you for anything you do. But still kind of a boss thing to say, right? <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, I don't, I, just based off of that story, I don't see what kind of behavioral issues he 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 has. I mean, sure, his friend wasn't really. I I don't know. His friend didn't do something horrible. He's just playing messing with his lunchbox. You know, kids kids will do childish things. They're children, but the point still stands. You know, when someone is telling you not to do something, when something is something is bothering someone, right? And sometimes, like you 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 can't tell someone whether or not they should accept your apology, how seriously they should be affected by what you've said or done. And it just feels like this kid is just wise beyond his years. I'm 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 shocked. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think no, it's one I, of those I, things where it's a there's a real cultural difference going on where in in Japanese people are not very direct and you're supposed to kind of just if someone apologizes you say, "Oh, that's okay. That's okay." No problem, no problem. I accept your apology kind of thing. But me and my friend, it was my friend Shashwat, the guy who was talking about the racism in Europe. It's so much worse because he's Indian. And his girlfriend, fiance, Ashley. And me and Ashley was looking at each other like, this sounds like the most normal first grade story. <laughs> <laughs> like he basically, and he came to her. We said, did the teacher complain? She said, no, Tosku said it, told it to me himself. It's like, dang, we're like, your kid is doing great, actually. <laughs> your kid's like incredibly polite if he's actually coming to you saying, I felt bad about this thing. But it's interesting to think about what, what that means for Japanese kids and people. And I think even the language is really interesting. You know, the way you speak when you're in Japanese, you're normally speaking to adults with a really much more formal way of speaking. And it's interesting the mindset that that puts you in, in terms of when you're talking to someone, like the amount of respect you have and intentionality you have and what you say when you change of how you speak. And I think there's something about that that's really, people in English, if I could understand me every time I was talking to like my roommate, Paul, who would be in that tea shop sometimes, I'm like, I'm just being like, you ugly, <laughs> your girlfriend sucks. <laughs> and if she understood that, I feel like she wouldn't be like, oh, what Tosku said was really bad. <laughs> You know, I think it's interesting. I think from a, a language perspective, not just culture, but from a language perspective, as you're saying, Jordan, right? Um, you know, a couple, like a couple of my mother tongues, there are suffixes to verbs that you add when you're referring to people you need to show respect to, like your older family members, your teachers, your bosses, things like that. Or, or like if you're like, you know, in a, in a customer service position, you'd use these types of verbs to refer to your customers right to you know if you're a server or something to the to the to the people coming to the restaurant um and i, I think there's something similar too in in french right and 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 
where uh, you have two, which is T-U, uh, Abraham, right? Like, that's to refer yeah. to you. Hmm. But if you use V, which is V-O-U-S, that's the formal way of saying you. I mean, you can also use it to refer to you in the plural. But um, it's, I think it's... In it's Exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yep, yep. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. Sure. Uh huh. Mm -hmm. And <laughs> but but I think that has a lot to do with it. I think that English doesn't necessarily have that level of uh, cooperation and respect built into it. Right. You have to use different words instead of using words that can be changed to be polite. If that makes sense. No, that's definitely that's definitely a real yeah. thing, and it's similar to that in Japanese, where especially in languages, obviously in things like Spanish too, you have tu versus usted, but really it's things like it's when you have that suffix thing, because obviously it's referring to someone in a different word is one thing. When you're literally all the verbs you use are different, it puts you in a different mindset, and it's really right. crazy how when I'm speaking to like adults or speaking to people, pe I'm an adult, people older than me or like officials or whatever. When I'm in Japanese, I'm like, dang. I'm really making sure that I'm like intentional about everything I say. It's, it's, it puts you in a whole different mindset. It's not just, it's not just changing how you speak or being like slightly more formal, like mm -hmm. I would at work versus here. I feel like tone and uh, simply adding please and thank you is uh, about as much as we get when it comes to American English. <laughs> right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. 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 <laughs> It'd be like if we had to say thank you at the end of every sentence. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> Is that really how people speak in Japan? I mean, you're not literally saying thank you instead of every sentence, but it's it's you you yeah. you actually like change like you, you analogy change, wise. You change the verbs at the end. You change the way every verb finishes. You add different sort of particles. Like I'll use watashi to refer to myself when I'm speaking in front of a group or like speaking to someone older than me or speaking to like city officials when I'm over there. And I'll use ore if I'm like hanging out with you guys, right? Yeah, it's just a similar example. Um, I mean, we already went over the French example, went over the Spanish example, but but you know, my some of my family speaks Tamil, and so if you say va, va means come, but you can hey, say that to like, hey, let's I, go, hey, let's girls. go, and hey. so and, oh, here's here's what's interesting actually, because we can loop this into Jordan's dating life, because so va, va <laughs> means come, but you would say vanga to someone who was older than you, so mm. to Jordan, <laughs> that's what he'd be saying all his dates. <laughs> <laughs> To all these desi girls. You know I like the older women now. That's right, the older yeah. women. No, I, I'm, I, yeah. You know, the last girl I was talking to, she was talking about how she'd been out of the game for a little while. So, you know, it, it sounds like men out there might be kind of trash. They Besides are. me, obviously. I'm very charming and nice. Oh, Jordan. You, for all, for all your faults... You you know you you do have some redeeming qualities. <laughs> so, can I play some more again the next topic? I'm on the girl the other night. You know she she got oh. sick a couple weeks ago and she's been I pro she's not bailing on me. I swear to God she she actually got very sick. I got on the phone with her. She'd be like <laughs> the whole time. We spoke for like an hour on the phone the other night and she's like. You know, at some point, you know, she's talking about being hard on herself for things, and, and I'm like, yeah, you know, I'm not really judging you. Like, you know, you can take whatever. She's like, wow, you're so nice. And I was like, I am pretty nice. <laughs> I was like, but I am nice, but be careful, because I'm, I'm, I'm also a lot and very intense and very pushy. 
Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a very nice guy and I'm nice at my core and people around me are mostly going to be like, he's a good guy and I like him yeah. and he's not trash. But there's going to be some funny things that you notice when you hang out with me a little bit longer. And I just need, it, you, I need you to be ready for that because I don't need you bro, just thinking that I'm this, this polite, mild-mannered guy. Dating dating is crazy. Like, I'm not dating. I haven't been dating for a couple of years now, but I was talking to a friend of mine who's, she's an anesthesiology resident. Uh, and her name is, her name is, Actually, well, you don't need to know her name. I'll, I'll keep her anonymous. She's she's an anesthesiology resident. And even though we both went to, to school together in the U.S., uh, we're, we're actually both from Toronto. So she she's practicing in Toronto. She matched uh, to residency program there. And she's single and was telling me, I've been out, Abraham. We, we got up, we caught, we caught up yesterday got some lunch and she was telling me how she'd been out here in these streets <laughs> trying to find a partner. Oh, and... man, I need you to say her name. No. You're going to come to Toronto? <laughs> hey, we'll work it out. We'll work it out. Yeah. She's, she's, she's a catch. But the moment she said that, she was just like, but Abraham, these Toronto men are just so trash. Just like, absolute trash and honestly i couldn't argue with it it's like, <laughs> yeah 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 samir's right um jordan is more like a second or third option you know i might have holy <laughs> shit oh man <laughs> what what are you what are you saying bro what are bro, you saying bro i don't know i don't know if you if I, if I... <laughs> i'm a very eligible bachelor that you are you are, you know, maybe I'm, I'm a very, I'm a nice guy. Nice. Some would say that's <laughs> a red flag. Some would say <laughs> if someone, if someone opens up there, you know, you go go on a date with someone, you're like, I'm a nice guy. I didn't Some say I was going to open up with that. Yeah. I didn't say I was going to open up with that, but you know, I, I'm very charming. I'm played. I'm played. Jordan. You, I have you, you, a great manga collection. I'm an, I'm very interesting. <laughs> that is probably not going to be one of the selling points I use for this particular girl. But right, let's talk about my abs then. Talk about my abs then. <laughs> I got you. I'm Regardless, <laughs> <laughs> she was telling me how trash these Toronto men were, and I was just like, "Yeah, like you're not breaking any news." I like I grew up here. I know how trash how trash men are in this city. And it got, I got to talking. Actually, here's a question I want to ask for you because I got to talking with my sister about this later. Do you guys think it's harder for men or for women to date in in this like current society that we're in now? That is a loaded question. <laughs> in terms, okay, let's let me let me simplify the question. Like in terms of finding. A suitable partner, not necessarily, you know, someone that like, you know, you're you're on the apps, you're 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 trying to find someone that you vibe with and that you're like you could potentially see a long term future with, right? Do you think that's a more challenging prospect as a guy, or do you think that would be more challenging as a woman? You know, what's that like? I don't know what that's like. I think uh, you know, <laughs> Jordan, I think you're the only one. single one here. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> I think, you know, I, I've been around the block. I think uh, here's my take on it, right? So just in case people don't know, I am happily married. Um, and I, you know, I've been on all the apps before that and all that. I, I think I think it's difficult in both ways. And I'll explain yeah. which I think is worse. But let me frame it in that for women, you know, I'm not saying that every woman's a cat. Not, not every person is a catch in general, right? Let's just assume that you got a, a nice, normal woman. She's got to wade through. I mean, how much absolute dog shit does she have to wade through, right? A like, let's be real. She's got all the penises, penises, all the garbage profiles, you know, all this. Yeah, all this useless crap. I mean, like, think about also think about uh, all the crap that people are consuming on the internet, right? Like, there's some just absolute garbage shit out there that people are suddenly subscribing to nowadays. And you know, it's it's hard because. A lot of this is uh, stuff that could immediately disqualify somebody, but then there's other stuff that you don't know about somebody till a little later on. Then you're like, oh my god, this guy's crazy or this chick's crazy, right? You know, you, you don't you don't know these things. So I think from from the perspective of of a woman, it's, there's probably so many things to avoid, but you're you also have like pretty much infinity options, right? I feel like for them it comes down to a subject of time, and I think it's funny because as a guy, you know, and I, I you know I'm. I wouldn't call myself like a conventionally like American attractive guy, right? It, it, but you know, it's like I never, I never really struggled. You know, because so you're a Chad. Oh, thank you, bud. Chad, thanks, bud. Friend. I appreciate that. But he's no, I, like, I, I, man, he's like, man, don't you look? He's like, don't get me wrong. If I was in India, bro, yeah. you wouldn't even know. <laughs> you know what's even, you know what's even <laughs> like, funny, right? Wrong, just, like, just, my wife is, my wife is white. Just to put India, that out there. If I was in India, bro. Woo. <laughs> uh, <laughs> But no, I'm saying, no, my wife, my wife is white. And I, you know, I think that like, I've experienced enough of the, the dating as a guy and like casually dating or dating seriously. I've done all of it. And I think the other side of that is it's funny because I almost feel like the more time you spend improving yourself as a guy, and I don't mean just like physically improving yourself or, or mentally, I mean, like, you know, are you, can you truly look at yourself and say like, are you a nice person? And I don't mean like a nice guy, but like, are you somebody that you would want to spend time with? So I feel like it's a function of time in a different way. For women, it's how much time they spend wading through all the shit, guys. And for guys, it's how much time you spend like focusing on yourself, because you're gonna have to fight for some dates as a younger guy. You know, when it gets when you get older, I think it gets easier. Or if, in the case of Jordan, we'll take it over to yeah. you. If your target yeah. audience is older, <laughs> you know I love yeah. the older women game, man. You know I love the older women game. Yeah. Now, I mean, here's the thing, man. It's like it's exactly what Samir is saying. When you are dating older women, or when you when you're dating and you're um, and you're a woman, like you did, like we at one of my birthday parties, my friend Emily didn't have Tinder, and she opened, she downloaded Tinder just so we could have a laugh, and that was the first time I saw what Tinder for women was like. And there were about five of us about falling off our chairs, as she just turned it on and was getting match, 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 match. Now here, the other thing, the thing about the three of us here is that none of us is six feet tall and white. If you, my friend Julius is six feet tall and white and he has a markedly different experience on dating apps. I said, Julius, you're a handsome dude. You don't look that different from me. You don't look that different from you. you, you you're not Chris Hemsworth over here. Yeah. But... When you beat six three and white and you get an all the matches for dudes, to me, I wasn't I'm never even someone who's like, yeah, I'm like working on myself to try and get more dates or whatever. Like I work on you know, I work on myself as like trying to be a good person, and whatever, but I'm not trying to get more dates just like that. It's just frustrating on the apps when I could swipe a hundred times. I feel you. And literally get no matches. Yeah. 
I feel that. I feel that. Yeah. I, I, no. I want to jump in actually, just real quick. I, yeah. Uh, be you know, have a, you know, my first name is Muhammad, which is a very markedly Muslim name, and I, I I joke because there was a point in my life where it was after college where I stopped using the name Muhammad, and I started going by my middle name Samir, and not only did I get more job interviews, I also got more dates. <laughs> I just want to put. Let me just put it out. You know, I live in the Midwest, Midwest USA. I just want to put that out there. They're not going to go out with those Arabs. That's right. <laughs> That's crazy, bro. That's cra both of those are crazy and sad. A little sad, but <laughs> no, I. Or go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I, I, I think you guys basically hit the nail on the head, right? It's there's a whole pile of shit that you kind of have to wade through. This is also where I can maybe this is assuming heterosexuality, you know? So obviously let's let's we just this is just the for the sake of the discussion. I swear to God, just say what you're gonna say. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I don't want to get canceled. Don't cancel me. Don't cancel no, I'll get canceled. Me. Fuck it. I'll say it. What do you want me to say? <laughs> no, all I'm saying he's, is he's that as... disclaimers. He's not giving disclaimers. Like we're not just three straight dudes talking about straight dating. Like, bro, I'm so true. scared. He's about to drop some either some scary shit <laughs> or something. You know the crazy thing is, all I was gonna do is ag agree with what you guys said. Like as a woman, you got a bunch of shit that you have to wade through, and you ha you have no lack of options. As Chris Rock once said, "Pussy is expensive. Dick is free." You, <laughs> you can you can find you can match with anyone easily, right? But it's it's more a matter of trying to find the right person, right? And trying to find like that needle in the haystack. And I do think that's hard. And there's also a, a biological clock, right, for a lot of a lot of these ladies that's that's ticking that men don't really have to deal with. To the point where one time I was hanging out with a couple couple uh, friends of mine. And they were all talking about how similar conversation. Men are trash. A lot of the good men are already in relationships. All the ones that are 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 free are 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 non-committal and blah blah blah. And they were complaining about their relationship status. And I was single at the time when we were having this conversation. And they look at me and they're like, "What's your relationship st like stuff like? You know, how are you feeling about things?" I was telling them like, "I'm happily single." And I don't really feel pressed for time or anything like that. I'm just living, you know? <laughs> I don't really care about the pace with which things happen right now because right now I'm in a place where I don't really want to be in a relationship. And they all got offended that I would phrase it like that because they're like, "You're people like you are the problem for people like us. <laughs> because men who are actually like, you know, we could actually maybe date, you know? Not saying that they wanted to date me necessarily, but like men of like that kind, you know, you just don't feel any kind of pressure or need to 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 put yourself into a committed relationship because you're not up against the same clock that like these women are up against. Oh, you know Whoa. what? That's actually a really good point, because I think not even just from a biological perspective, right, but from like a cultural or society perspective, uh, it, it kind of comes into the case of like. You know, oh, you, like we all got those friends who were like, oh, girl, why are you with this guy? Right. Because he's just a piece of trash and she will just stay with him. And all of her friends will just be like, yo, why are you with this guy? And, you know, I'm sure it applies vice versa, too. But I'm sure we know a lot more in the other situation that I mentioned. Um, and I think that's a fair point because that clock or that pressure, regardless of whether it's biological or societal, um, 
I think that leads to disappointment. And I think this might be what I'm about to say might be a hot take. Maybe it's a lukewarm take. I don't know. But it's like you can only control yourself, right? So if you're having trouble dating, I feel like there's something to be said about, you know, how are you finding your dates? I mean, I think that for, for women, maybe even the whole thing about play in the field, like, yeah, you got a lot of options, but could you try meeting people outside of, you know, the apps for once, right? Like if you want someone who's going to have the same interests as you, you probably could do a lot of finding a hobby or, or go into a hobby meetup group or something like that. I, I don't know. I mean, it's one of those things where I feel like going old school might actually help. Well, you know what I'm saying? Because I'm a big old school guy, but I kind of want to turn this whole framework in the other way in terms of who's the problem. Because, you know, I'm I'm the problem in that situation, right? I, I'm a 30-year-old dude from about to be 31, and I'm like, eh, like, I don't think I want kids. Like, nah, don't even think I want marriage. Like, I don't even know if I want to move in, move in with someone at any point. I like the idea of living separately. So I'm very much the problem there. But man, all these women who are like, I have to, that's also the problem for people like me. <laughs> I, <laughs> you, I came on here a couple of weeks ago and told the story about a beautiful 37-year-old uh, Black Jewish woman who I hit it off with at a Black alumni reunion. And it was a beautiful thing. She was very nice, incredible. We had a lovely time, made out a bunch. And she said, we can't even see each other again because... We can't do it again because you you want this thing that's different. And I'm trying to have these kids in the next two or three years. So I kind of have to be on a mission. And that's, that's been very disappointing for me. We're just passing <laughs> up on this beautiful connection that you could have. Well, the solution is to stop going after women who are nearly 40. <laughs> oh, you know what? That means he's got to go after the ones who can't have problem. kids no more. That's what I'm saying. Hey, listen, I've been down that road, all right? <laughs> I've had a beautiful time on that road, too. And I've also had, like, a kind of wild and crazy time on that road. We're not going to talk about that time I showed up in a 23-year-old song. That post-menopause dating. <laughs> I, but, it's, you know, it, it's one of those things where what, me and other guys who are in my position of being pretty relaxed about what you want and whether or not you're like looking to get it, we also complain about, man, where's all the beautiful 30-year-old women who are okay just dating and finding out what happens? Because the reality is you show up at a lot of places and it's like, oh, we're at Holloway's dinner and oh, there's every single person here is in a relationship. And Abraham is the only person with his partner not here. I'm just like the Larry David in every single one of these situations <laughs> in all the later seasons of Curb when he's just the, the one person who's not in the couple. And I suddenly have this weird amount of identifying with his character there. But I'm just saying it, the problem goes both ways where I end up stuck with 24-year-olds or divorcees, mostly end up going with the divorcees or older women, because people who are our age who are okay just kind of being like, let's see what happens and whatever – are sort of few and far in between. And so it's it's difficult. I feel like sure. the uh maybe the circles that you run in, right? Lahaha <laughs> running. Um <laughs> I think there's something to be said about I believe I think there is some trend, right? With you know, higher education generally tends to mean that people want to have stable long-term relationships, right? And and usually here in the West in America, well, let's be honest, in the whole world, that means marriage or kids or both and I, I feel like it's difficult because 
as a woman, I'm sure that they have a lot more to lose being in a relationship where none of that is defined, which is what you're looking for, right? Which is what a lot of guys are looking for. And, and I was definitely like that too at one point. But I feel like, I mean, for me, I feel like my mind changed because I met the right person. Uh, but I understand what you're saying. Like, that's something that if people were more upfront with their goals and were able to be honest about their goals, you know, like ideally people wouldn't be lying and cheating about stuff like that. Then there really wouldn't be an issue of you being able to find women like that. Cause I'm, I'm sure that there is a really, really big network out there for, you know, women who don't want kids and aren't really on any kind of personal or professional or biological timers. Really, really big at age thirty is an exaggeration. <laughs> they yeah. they exist, but percentage wise, it's just a lot smaller. Like I, mean, I think it's just hard to find, to be, right? You would have to start getting on the poly apps, and like, which I'm open to, but I'm also just not an app person. Is the thing? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I I I mean, I agree that the that that's that's a. I I agree with you in that there's it's a small proportion of women, in our age group that want what you want out of life, right? Right. Um but like I yeah. It's 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 all a matter of I guess if we're trying to see is who is it harder to because it, it's it the the it is very justifiable as to why they feel that way, right? Like again, you talk about this 37 year old woman who wants to have children. You can at 37, you know, if you were 37 if you're 67, can still choose to have kids. I have a PI at my school who <laughs> recently just had a scandalous first child who was like pushing 70. Like a couple months ago, he had his Hot first damn. kid. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I good, guess. You know, good for his baby mama. <laughs> you know, yeah. well, it's, 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 we could talk about that in another episode. It's, <laughs> it's, it's crazy. Because this guy was also very anti family for like, his whole whole career, he's just like you guys don't telling his grad students you don't need kids, you don't need to settle down, just like focus on your work. And one day, this guy just shows up and is like, "Yeah, I've, I've got a daughter now." But uh, uh, was it intended? <laughs> I I feel like it probably wasn't, but I don't know. You know, I wasn't I wasn't in there. I wasn't in the room. But yeah. It's it's a challenge. It's a challenge from both sides, right? That's that's why I think this conversation is interesting, right? It's not like men have it easy and women have it hard necessarily. I still do think that it is a bigger challenge that women face than men, uh, with respect to dating. But you know, it's not easy either way. I I think I'm a, I'm inclined to agree with you. And in the spirit of S class versus F class, if I got to pick a side, I I think I agree with you. Just from the sake of like you know we know that we're not abusive or violent people right <laughs> but like let's be real like in in a in a man and woman situation the likelihood right that that there is going to be more severe consequences of that situation is the woman and i feel like because of that every, everything is going to stem from you know being more cautious or or be, I, I don't know. I feel like I read about some other crazy I was wackadoodle really every now confused. and then, right? Well, it, 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 I was confused about where you were taking that for a second. You know, to me. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know obviously, we're not violent people. It's just like worse. I'm just taking it to the extreme. I'm just going right there. Well, that, that's, those are all great points. But at the end of the day, all my problems are more important than anybody else's. So thank you. That's going to be the, the last point that anyone makes on this show. Uh, I'm, I'm your fast friend. I'm a runner. Samir doesn't have any hair on his head. 
Still your ball friend. Abraham, a smart guy over there, doing his MD, PhD with these crazy PIs going wild. Uh, like, subscribe, go check us out, whatever. Uh, if you're one of our five friends who has actually made this whole thing, we love you too. And so, peace. It is. Later.